Welcome. I'm Panayota Daphniotis, and I'm your host for an intellectual property podcast series brought to you by Dentons Canada. This podcast series covers a broad range of intellectual property topics on patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, and related IP disputes with an emphasis on the practical, giving companies of all sizes and industries the IP intel they should be thinking about. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There, you can access all of our intellectual property podcasts as well as an episode description for each topic and information about our speakers. And now, over to our podcast topic and speakers. I'm here today with my colleagues, Bob Tarantino and Sam Gabor, members of Dentons Canada National Intellectual Property Practice Group in Canada, and both of which have practices that also touch several other areas of law beyond intellectual property. Today's podcast is an episode about the legal issues in the metaverse, with an added focus on intellectual property. As a growing number of companies start to invest heavily in the metaverse, we will talk about the practical applications that the metaverse is likely to have, and we will explore the legal issues that may arise as it grows. So the metaverse has dominated the news and likely will continue to do so. For us to begin uh, a discussion on the metaverse, I think we just, we have to just start with the discussion of what the metaverse is. And so, um, Sam, you know, maybe I can ask you to sort of kick off that part of the discussion. Sure, thanks, Paniota. So the metaverse is a, an evolving concept uh, and essentially what it is, is it's gonna be in the next iteration of the internet and supplement or replace how people, companies, businesses, uh, and whatnot will interact with each other through the internet. Um, and the overall, overall idea is that it's going to be a combination of software platforms and technologies that allow individuals to interact with one another uh, within virtual worlds or spaces through different technologies. So it's going to include current, you know, standard PCs and mobile applications, virtual reality, augmented technologies, and likely other additional technologies in the future. So. Um, the idea is that it's not going to just be virtual reality, but it'll be a combination of, of all these different platforms and, and, and technologies. Uh, and essentially, the web 3.0 that's going to replace the current web, web 2.0 that we are really using. Um, and a, a common misconception is that the metaverse is going to be a single overarching virtual world. However, there isn't going to just be one metaverse. It's, there's going to be numerous different platforms that exist that arguably can all be considered their distinctive metaverse. Um, there's a lot of different terminology that exists currently in the space, um, and we could spend you know half an hour going through terminology. Instead, what we've done is we've created a short uh, cheat sheet on our website connected to this podcast that's going to list out the different term, terms that are going to be used uh, throughout our various podcasts. You know, just for example, uh, cryptocurrency, decentralization, digital assets, fungible, non-fungible tokens, avatars, blockchain, 
public and private keys. And these will all be listed in an easy uh, cheat sheet on our website for readers to, to take a look at. Yeah, no, that, that's great. And I think that that kind of a tool will actually be very interesting and useful over time um, to sort of understand some of the discussion about matters in the in the in the metaverse. Um, so, you know, you talked about this sort of development and, and sort of evolving uh, technology in the metaverse. And I think the, um, you know, as those technologies continue to develop, there will be sort of these novel and complex legal and regulatory issues that I think are going to become pretty, pretty commonplace. So, you know, before we dive into intellectual property, I think we just wanted to talk for a few minutes about some of these key emerging legal issues in the metaverse. And, and maybe Bob, I can move over to you to sort of, you know, flag what you think will be um, an interesting area to watch from a legal perspective. Sure thing. Thanks, Penny. I, what I'd like to flag is the employment issues which are going to arise here. And I think to understand what those are going to be, we just have to underline a couple of things that Sam said. So one is the sort of cross-jurisdictional or pan-jurisdictional nature of the metaverse, and also the fact that the metaverse really involves individuals having some kind of representation or avatar in the metaverse. So they have some sort of visual manifestation of their identity that is in the metaverse. So this is going to pose a bunch of different challenges as we've seen over the last couple of years, you know, remote working has posed uh, interesting and novel questions for employment law and those are just going to get amplified in the metaverse. So companies and employers are going to have to think about things like harassment and discrimination policies in connection with employees avatars what kinds of standards are going to be required to be put in place for to govern the relationships between employees that take place in the metaverse. We're also going to have face questions about unionization and privacy and surveillance. What kinds of information can employees collect? Where is the union unionization drive occurring? What working standards apply to the activities which take place in the metaverse? Things like immigration and taxes are also going to come up because again, we're dealing with activity which is taking place in a non-physical space. And so those are challenges that we're gonna to have to grapple with on, a, on an ongoing basis. And so Sam, what have you been seeing? Cause I understand that you recently wrote an article on security interests in, in digital assets and maybe you can expand on that. Sure, thanks Bob, yeah. I think sort of the securitization in the lending space is definitely going to be a, a key component of the metaverse. And there's going to be a lot of interesting legal issues that arise in this space, uh, primarily because of the blockchain technologies that exist in the metaverse that are going to allow individuals and businesses to essentially own, sell, and, and collateralize digital assets, including land, uh, buildings, art, you know, other types of personal property in the metaverse. So there's a bunch of lending and borrowing and, and insolvency questions that are going to arise through this space that are going to need to be answered uh, through case law and potentially through new legislation. You know, for example, uh, you know, how does a lender take personal property security in the, in the metaverse and, and how does a lender or you know a court officer that's you know appointed through a uh, an insolvency process enforce and recover digital assets and, and and sell them 
So those are all issues that are going to arise, especially because the digital assets that exist in the metaverse have already shown to have value. There are parcels of land being purchased in metaverses right now that are worth uh, millions of dollars. Uh, there is digital land being purchased for you know, immense amounts of money. And uh, this isn't a space that's just going to go away. It's just, it's only gonna grow as the technology and the consumer base and the opportunities uh, continue to evolve. So uh, will the legislation that we currently have, you know, including personal property security legislation be, uh, be great enough to cover all the various scenarios that exist for digital assets or is regulation and reform gonna be needed for digital assets? And in my view, I, I think there's likely going to need to be uh, reform to the various you know, secure, personal property security statutes uh, in the various uh, Canadian provinces to take into account these situations because those statutes were created more particularly for you know, physical, tangible assets as opposed to ones that are in a digital world. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, where the, the lending and the security space goes. Um, and I'm wondering, Paniota, are, are you seeing any other sort of major issues on, on your end uh, in the space that you think that are emerging? Yeah, well, certainly, you know, I think the, you know, the M&A space, strategic alliances, joint ventures uh, and the like is really going to be an area uh, definitely to watch with a flurry of activity. I mean, you know, everything that we're talking about here today and that we're seeing uh, about the metaverse is that as a whole, I think it's estimated to be a huge, huge revenue opportunity. Um, and I think investors have taken note of this sort of, you know, metaverse land grab. Uh, and from a corporate perspective, I think shareholders where we are seeing shareholders uh, increasingly asking companies to talk about what their metaverse strategy is as part of their business strategy. Um, we also have seen in the last 12 months talk about, you know, NFTs. So I think they've, you know, it's becoming clear that that's, that's a, a robust market. Um, in, uh, in the fall of 2021, Facebook um, went through a rebranding exercise to become Meta uh, Inc., uh, which I think just sort of solidified for many other companies this sort of larger shift uh, that a blend of the real and virtual world um, is in the future. So I think with the success of the metaverse in whatever form you know it will take, uh, will require massive investment of capital. And, and to build off something that you talked about just a moment ago, Sam, in terms of value and digital assets, um, that massive investment of capital across you know, digital content, digital assets, you know, hardware to generate these virtual spaces, uh, as well as that sort of digital infrastructure to connect them. Um, a large amount of money is being invested in, in sort of the deal activity that we're, we're looking at in augmented reality ventures and virtual world uh, projects. So my view is that, you know, M&A activity will be uh, will be something to watch, and I think it will be concentrated in the gaming sector due to the, you know, the crossover potential between the technologies and the markets. But I think what also follows when you talk about M&A and the like, um, and, you know, these transactions, I think what also follows is that the intangible corporate assets 
will be drivers for these acquisitions or investments. And so robust IP due diligence is going to be critical um, and crucial to properly evaluate the transaction um, and the likelihood of success and uh, the assessment of risk associated with the transaction. So um, I'm uh, keeping my eye out uh, for uh, activity in the M&A uh, space. Um, so, you know, maybe with that, we can pivot and, and focus a little bit on uh, intellectual property, which is a topic we all love to talk about. Um, and so let's extend that to the metaverse. So, you know, what are some areas of intellectual property that you think are going to be impacted and relevant to the discussion uh, of uh, the metaverse? Sure, maybe I'll pick that up. I think one area that's going to receive some renewed attention is personality rights. And so both of you have mentioned, you know, value in the metaverse, value in the digital space. And as we all know, the names and likeness and other indicia of celebrities in particular have value in the physical world. And that value is presumably going to translate into the digitized space of the metaverse which is going to raise some interesting issues, again, to pick up on the point we made earlier about avatars. How are we going to police avatars with respect to personality rights? Can people make avatars which are you know, virtually identical facsimiles of famous people and have those famous people avatars roam around the metaverse and make statements and endorse goods or services in the metaverse in a way which is not consistent with how that celebrity might be protecting or enforcing their rights in the real world. We also have to think about how defamation is going to work in the metaverse. And again, tracing back to this concept of, well, where is the metaverse? What law, the substantive law of what jurisdiction is going to apply to statements that are made in the metaverse when we're thinking about defamation? And then you have to also take time to think about what's going to happen with fraud and, and fraudulent impersonation. What if, you know, somebody, we don't have to worry about just celebrities. What about people who, you know, impersonate their neighbors uh, in order to take, undertake activities in the metaverse? How is that going to be dealt with from a, a criminal law perspective? Um, and, and from the perspective of, of legislation that already sort of struggles to deal with how to protect people's rights and interests uh, in, in the physical world. And now we're just going to amplify those concerns in the digital world. So, Sam, maybe I could uh, throw it to you to talk about some more traditional areas of, of intellectual property. And I know that you've been focusing and thinking about how trademarks are going to work in the, in the metaverse. Yeah, no, thanks, Bob. So, it's interesting, as soon as the metaverse really became mainstream news, companies and brands started taking steps almost immediately to uh, protect their trademarks in the metaverse. And what we're currently seeing are trademark applications being filed throughout the world for virtual goods and services, uh, primarily for, in my view, companies that are preemptively trying to protect those trademarks when they do launch businesses and, and the sale of goods and services in the metaverse. So, you know, just for example, like Nike has applied for trademarks uh, for virtual shoes. So if someone has their avatar in uh, a metaverse and they go to the Nike store or, or some other retailer perhaps that has a, you know, a license to sell virtual shoes with Nike's trademark on it, Nike will have trademark protection for those virtual goods. 
other companies like McDonald's are applying for trademarks for virtual restaurants. Uh, and what I understand is essentially you can go into a metaverse, you can go to the McDonald's restaurant, buy your food, and it will be delivered directly to your house. Uh, and, and instead of using your your phone to purchase goods and, or purchase that food, you'll purchase it through the metaverse. So there's a lot of really neat things happening on the trademark side from a brand protection perspective. Um, from a, a legal perspective, uh, as a trademark lawyer, when we're applying for trademarks, you have to determine what type of classes of goods and services your goods fall under. And there's a lot of questions uh, arising from trademark professionals in terms of what types of classes should you know those virtual goods and services fall under or alternatively are new classes of goods and services going to need to be created for these virtual goods because it was never contemplated through any uh, international treaties exactly what virtual goods uh, are and what classes of goods and services they should fall under so it, it's going to be interesting from a from a trademark practitioner perspective exactly how to best protect your client's brand and, and trademarks in the metaverse. And, and in addition to that, we're already seeing lawsuits being filed for trademark infringement of certain brands in the metaverse. And, and I think that sort of maybe go into a, a topic that Penny Oda wants to talk about, uh, and she can go ahead with that. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty natural flow when you're thinking about the life cycle of intellectual property. To, you know, once you once you've thought about protection, that you also think about enforcement. And I think that's an issue. You know, the monitoring and enforcement of brand and other IP rights is going to be something. Um, you know, to to watch from a metaverse perspective. So, you know, in our normal reality, if we talk about trademarks, in our normal reality, if I can call it that, trademark owners, you know, they advertise and sell goods and services under their trademarks and, you know, they can enforce their trademarks, they can monetize their trademarks uh, through licensing, etc. Right. But issues uh, that have come up in the metaverse is, is really this intersection between the reality and augmented reality that creates issues with use. And use is such an important concept, right? But use in the metaverse of real world, real world trademarks that are you know, owned by a third party in these video games, for example, um, that actually simulate reality. So you, know, you have these users, we've talked about these, you know, their avatars, but uh, users with their avatars in the metaverse buying and selling goods that are actually branded with these real world, you know, well-recognized and sometimes famous third-party trademarks uh, or logos. So now trademark owners, as you've said, Sam, you know, are faced with this issue of unauthorized use of their marks. And um, you referenced the lawsuits and we are seeing um, litigation emerging in this area where trademark owners are attempting to enforce their trademark rights and their exclusive rights in that space. But um, I think what truly constitutes uh, trademark infringement is not quite clear yet. And so I think it will remain to be seen um, how these, you know, how a trademark owner's ability to enforce um, will unfold. I think the, 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 the reality in this space is that these sort of historic concepts of the principles of trademark law. And while I'm talking about trademark law, this is the very same, I think, for any area of a law, these sort of historic and um, traditional principles that have been applied uh, will have to be interpreted differently. 
uh, the questions of what constitutes use, you know, the concept of confusion, uh, imperfect recollection, who's the average consumer in the metaverse? Um, and uh, so I think what constitutes trademark infringement will evolve um, significantly as will the resulting um, liability. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm talking about trademarks in this example, but I think it replies, applies to unauthorized use, uh, unauthorized use, sorry, of um, other kinds of uh, intellectual property as well. And I think it's, it's worthwhile to, to put out a, a word of caution for users because users engaging in the metaverse may not actually be aware of the potential use, uh, potential risk of using third-party IP and what may be the resulting liability. Um, and I think to, to close off, one thing I just wanted to go back to, and, and you mentioned this, uh, Bob, um, earlier, is this you know, concept of jurisdiction and conflict of laws. And I think whether we're talking about intellectual property or employment, securitization, M&A, whatever it is, when it comes to the metaverse, um, you know, we will have to legally, we will have to navigate these issues of jurisdiction and conflict of laws, you know, none of which have been neatly resolved for even the current iteration of the internet, uh, let alone for this sort of, you know, fully uh, realized virtual world uh, with an even greater degree of interaction and uh, user immersion. So I think that's that's a really interesting layer on top of everything that we've talked about from a legal um, and regulatory perspective. So, you know, maybe one more example from an IP perspective, if you guys, um, you know, had one to share. Sure. And, and just to pick up on those points that you raised there about people not necessarily being aware of the potential liabilities and the complexity of, of different jurisdictions substantive laws applying, you know, people generally will be at least vaguely familiar or lawyers might be vaguely familiar with the risks posed by copyright infringement, but there's an analogous or an allied right there, moral rights, which are found in the Copyright Act of Canada and in the copyright legislation of many other jurisdictions. And those are rights of authors to be identified as the author of a work or to object to certain modifications that are being made to their work and to control the use of their work in connection with a product, a good, a service, uh, an institution, a cause. All of those get engaged in the world of NFTs. Right, Because when a work, copyright protected work, is being minted as an NFT or is somehow associated with an NFT, it starts raising all kinds of really interesting questions, interesting to me at least, about whether those moral rights have been treaded on. And so it poses, you know, just to get a little granular for a moment, is minting an NFT some kind, is that a use of a work in connection with a good. I mean, NFTs are designed to be sold and they are often sold. And so we start thinking about, well, maybe that's a good and maybe somebody is infringing the author's moral rights, uh, not just their copyright, which may be owned by somebody other than the author, but that author's moral rights uh, may be engaged there. And as you, I think, brilliantly put it, Paniota, I mean, we've struggled over the last, you know, 20, 25 years to figure out how this stuff applies. It, on the internet generally, and now that we are re on the cusp of a more fully immersive and digitized and realized digital world, uh, I think we're going to struggle to figure out how this stuff can and should apply. And I think it's something that we can all look forward to, to engaging with. 
That's great, Bob. Thank you. Um, so, you know, Sam, I'm going to steal a line that you uh, used earlier, but I think you said the metaverse is not going away. So um, that's, you know, the metaverse is not going away and augmented and uh, reality and virtual reality really, you know, gives a great opportunity to companies for an entirely new platform, you know, customer base and consumer experience. But I think companies uh, and users interacting in the metaverse have to understand not just the opportunity, but I think the risk that is associated with uh, the metaverse. And so I think that's maybe a good place for us to stop today. Thank you so much, Bob and Sam, um, for your insights and to our listeners for joining us for this discussion. Um, this is the first of more to come from our team on the legal and regulatory challenges of the metaverse. So please do stay tuned. Our Denton's Canada Intellectual Property podcast series um, and further content on the metaverse, as well as further content on other areas of intellectual property, can be found on the Denton's Canada IP webpage. Uh, so please uh, feel free to take a look or reach out to um, any of our speakers today if you have any questions on this content. So thank you for being with us and take care. Information provided during this episode should not be taken as legal advice. Denton's Canadian Intellectual Property Group has expertise that spans all areas of IP, patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, and related disputes and litigation. Our speakers from this podcast episode or any other professional in our group would be pleased to speak with you about today's topic or any other IP topic of interest. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our IP series. Stay well.